Welcome to the OFX Podcast. I'm Dave Claxton, and along with me is the mistress of the marathon, <laughs> Bethany McChesney, or the missing mistress of the marathon, because you didn't get to do the marathon. No, I didn't do it. Nope. But no. maybe one day. Have you ever, like, what, you know, what's a qualifying time for women? Um, well, it all depends on your age group, but I know for my age group, it's a 340. That still sounds like that's attainable for you. That's that's not a killer run for you. Like yeah, I it's, it's attainable. I did one once with a friend, and like I really didn't train for it. And she had flown in from Dubai because she wanted to see Niagara Falls, and uh, I just kind of ran with her and we chatted most of the way. And I still died in the last few kilometers because I was very undertrained for it. Um, but I was well under that time still. You you do know that like there's tour buses and stuff, right? You didn't have to make her run the whole way. I, know. I don't know about you, but if like, if I was like, Hey Beth, I'm going to come see you from Dubai and you made me run like a marathon. I'd be like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was her thing. It was like her 17th marathon or something. That was kind of how she toured the world. It was cool. Yeah. Um, so you've been watching all weekend. Uh, yeah. Uh, cause there was, so there's the 5k, um, and then there was the mile. And then we had the marathon on Monday. So there was lots going on through the weekend. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know. I, I just saw there was a marathon. I didn't know there was all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like a yeah. trifecta. Does anyone do the Boston Marathon trifecta? Is that a thing? I, I, don't, I don't think that's a thing. Because <laughs> each of them, there's invites and you really have to qualify. Like, So it's, it's quite, all of the races are very elite. So we did have a Canadian record set on the roads in the 5K for men. There was three. 1335 um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was really good it was from a, a quebec um fellow and uh yeah the marathon was super exciting to watch and it's been a little bit too so like there was one last year but there was a there was a, a break too with covid so so a couple of things one the guy who set the with the, the 5k with the 13 20 do you remember do you have his name do you remember his name Oh, I forget it, but it, it's a French name. It's it's not just French. It's like it's it's, it's almost pompous. Like it's just the guy. That... <laughs> okay, I'll tell you in a second. Um, it is too good for me. That's why I cannot say it. <laughs> uh, oh, Charles Charles um, Philibert Thibodeau. <laughs> there you go. See, That's that. and I think it's like Charles. You know, not Charles. 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 Yeah. Charles. <laughs> I think I butchered the last names, but yeah. Anyway, that's what he was 13 something. That's unreal. Yep. So he ran, uh, I think it was 1335. Yeah. I'm not impressed. I can run half that distance in that time. <laughs> so he was a Canadian. He went to the Olympics for the 1500. So he had the leg speed there. Um, and he did outkick the other guys for the win. So that's amazing though. And then that's on the road, right? Like, so what, what would be the 5k on the track? So it's a, sometimes a little bit faster, but like sometimes these road races, depending um, on the elements and everything, and if they're straight, I don't know if there's many curves in the 5K. Like sometimes it's even easier because if you're just running a flat out straight road, mm. but typically um, track times are a little bit faster, but the 5K, it's a bit more comparable. Now, 
if I was trying to set like, and I know he probably didn't go trying to set a 5K road record, but would this count? Okay. So in, I think it's in Germany, there's a racetrack and it's got like the world's longest straightaway and it's flat. It's super, super flat. And I saw this on a show called Top Gear. It's a great show. And they, they say the only reason you see any curve to it is it's like the curvature of the earth. So there's no hill. There's no nothing. It's just flat, paved, straight surface. If you were to run a 5K on that, would, would that count for a record? As far as I know, I think it's just as long as there's no net, overall net downhill of a certain number. That's the only thing I know. Yeah, it should be flat. I'm just saying. I just didn't know if it counted as a road or a track. Huh. And if so, why has nobody done this? That's a good question. People need to ask me these things. I will set it all up. <laughs> I just need to find someone fast enough and we can go do this and then I'll take right. credit. And with a little bit of clout and maybe a bigger reach, I don't know. We'll find somebody. We'll, we'll, we'll find somebody famous and talk them into it. Um, yeah. Okay, so what happened in the marathon? Um, so the marathon, the men's race and women's were very different throughout the greater portion of it. The men's race was kept in this really tight pack. Um, and then our eventual winner, Evan Chevet, around the 35K mark. So they were averaging around just over a three-minute kilometer, so 310-ish, um, which is just, it's insane to even think about. But then all of a sudden, he drops a 245-kilometer around the 35k mark and just absolutely breaks commandingly away from the pack and uh he just kept that lead and he kept that pace up his last 5k or 7k his average mile splits were a 427 mile that's just nuts just full-on sprinting so he started his kick early but it paid off and he did take the win um and he ran even splits also through. So his half was 103 and he finished in 206, which is also not an easy thing to do, especially on this course because of how hilly it is. Yeah, I've heard that. It's not a fast course, right? It's not one that you want to set a record on or anything like that. No, it's not. It's very up and down and the downhills trash your quads and there's long uphills. So it's a difficult course to run really fast and you do have to really prepare yourself for hills. Um, yeah, so you don't really like world records won't be set in Boston. So, and it does traditionally also have really bad weather. Um, 2018, there was uh, like a hailstorm, and that was when our Canadian Krista Duchenne finished top. She finished third on the podium, and she was like, "I'm just, I'm so used to these conditions." But a massive amount of the elite heat dropped out, and were hypothermic. So, yeah. And then, so on the men's side, in our Canadian Trevor Hoffbauer, who went to the Olympics, also he was 15th. So that's a really good showing for a Canadian men. That's crazy. So, what was the winning time for for the men? Was 206. 206. And what about the women? What was the winning time for the women? Winning time for women, 221.01. And then the, I think this is the closest race in history for women. Um, it was a 221.05 was second place. And that was really intense. So, it, that race, there was three women who went out, um, two Kenyans, one Ethiopian, uh, which included the Olympic gold medalist from the last Olympic Games. And um, and the other girl was the world record holder in the half marathon. And uh, so the three of them went out. And then it was around, same thing, like around 35K, the two women kind of 
exchanged some words and then broke away from the third girl. And, uh, and then it was probably the most intense back and forth. A girl, one girl would surge, one girl would jump on her back and then she'd go around her back and forth for like the last few kilometers and uh, like edge of your seats. And I, you could never tell who was going to win. You'd think one was getting ahead and then the other one. And putting in surges like that after 40 kilometers of running is remarkable in itself. And I think it was just the one, the girl um, who had never run Boston before and uh, a bit younger, she she missed a the last turn into the and had to do this kind of loop around. And although she caught back up, I think it just took that little bit out of her. And uh, yeah, so Perez Chepchiger, who was the Olympic gold medalist in the event, did end up eventually winning. But um, such a tight, exciting race. Like marathons aren't always that exciting. <laughs> but I was on the edge of my seat for sure. <laughs> I mean... I mean, it, yes, marathon's amazing. Like, what a feat. And the speed that they do it at is just mind-boggling. Yeah. But I was, like, thinking of it from, like, an announcer's perspective and yeah. how good those announcers must be to pretty much just prattle on for the first 25 miles or so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's there's not really much that happens, right, for the first three quarters or more even of the race. And then Nell Rojas was 10th. And which was, so the two years back to back, the first um, U.S. woman to cross the line. So, Wow. And the other thing I thought I was thinking about, too, is like, I, you know, I find that like OCR racers and trail racers and all that very tough and macho and stuff like that. But I'm sorry. It hurts me so much more to run on a road than it does on a trail. Like, I am in agony the minute I get started. <laughs> just And the pounding. And I think, too, the mm -hmm. mental side of it is because you're just, you're, it's like, um, you just get into this rhythm and you're just trying to keep the rhythm and keep your focus. And uh, that's probably one of the hardest things I think about running races that long. And sometimes you start suffering really early. So oh, our Canadian women, so Melindy Elmore was 11th, so behind wow. Nell Rojas. So Melindy and Natasha Wodak were in that race and they were our two Olympians also in the marathon at the last games. And uh, Melindy's 42, three kids. Um, she went to the Olympics in the 1500 um, 2004 or something and then any, anyway so she was 11th super impressive and then Natasha was 19th and she didn't have a great day and same thing she said she started suffering around 15k her legs started to already already feel it so that's a long way to go when you're not having a good day and she said it was all that she could do to just finish so I think that side of marathoning is probably one of the most difficult I laugh when they say it's all I could do to just finish because it's really what it is. It's all I could do to finish at an insane speed. Right. She still <laughs> averaged. I think her overall average was still under 330 a kilometer. It's just nuts. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think I, I think I did a, a park run on the weekend and like like out of 60 people, maybe two people averaged that pace for 5K. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fast. It's, it's amazing. It's so amazing to me what the human body is capable of. So why is it that these people can't go and win at OCR if they can run that fast? Well, Nell has podiumed on some yeah. OCR races. Yeah, but I mean, she's not top of the top. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. you know. What, They're I, I, just so specific with what they do. Like, yeah, just running. And it's also not, not all runners even lift 
there's different mentalities in distance running, but I had coaches who would yell at me for doing a bicep curl, like just no extra weight whatsoever. Yeah. My first post collegiate coach was like, don't pick up a weight ever. It's so unnecessary. Um, and there's been shifts too, since then where like, I know Nell does a lot of lifting and she does kettlebell work a lot. Um, but that's, that's, I was in university, I lifted and I was the only girl on the distance squad who was ever in the weight room. So it's just such a different tax tax on the body when you're doing something like OCR and even the up and down, like these are rhythm rhythm runners they get into this rhythm and they even sometimes they talk about like they mentioned even in the commentary how many right turns they had to make in this race like even just that shifting in your rhythm sometimes um can just throw off these runners who it's just like like this metronome like click 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 with all of their steps so so different I don't know very often in OCR where you just get into a rhythm like you're up down you're you're dancing on rocks it's totally different with your system i don't even understand the concept of rhythm running i've never <laughs> got to that <laughs> stage well maybe that's not true but you know i exaggerated but yeah i mean like i just can't fathom how they can maintain that it just is uh, unworldly to me i mean uh, so much of it yeah i know there's such great training and such great discipline in that but so much of it at that level has to be natural gifted as well that like yeah. you know i just blows all me. the things combined right Oh, well, so when are you going to run one? Well, <laughs> I, I was, I was checking out all the ones in the fall that I could potentially do depending on what happens with my season. But yeah, I always get excited when I watch, um, just cause I haven't really ever trained for a road marathon specifically, um, that I would, I would like to just go through a cycle of a marathon training cycle, um, just because and just do one and then I'd probably be done with it after that <laughs> but yeah just, just to do one I know what you mean though you watch something where you get or you see everybody doing something and I, I get this way with the world stuff is about every year and it's like oh like maybe I maybe I want to do that and but I've gotten to the point now as I've gone along that I'm like no no I don't and I, I <laughs> you know I understand now what I want to do and what I don't but I I'm, I get the feeling of of Oh, that would be very cool and it maybe would be very cool to be mm -hmm. done a marathon i don't think i'd like doing it yeah well and i think i would enjoy the race much more than the training like so much of marathon training can is just like long aerobic miles and but the race itself like something like boston or new york where the spectators are lining 26 miles i think the experience of a of, of one of the world majors would just be um out of this world that would be pretty good. That would, like you say, I mean, an epic event, something very once in a lifetime, I guess, you know, to experience, but yeah, I'll cheer for you. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um, we actually have stuff coming just around the corner though. Like your race season is just about to start soon. So yeah, next week, next week. What's, what's next week? rx1 oh right 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 sorry that I, was, I keep thinking next week well that's like next weekend so it's all it's almost you know yeah it's almost but yeah definitely montreal rx1 i have no idea what to expect i've tried to get some information about what the course would be like but nothing no movements to no look forward to no well that yeah i mean like i was trying to use the real truth i want to know if there's double unders or not <laughs> <laughs> i i know <laughs> That's all I need to know, right? Everything else is fine. Just 
If there's oh, I didn't unders, even think about that one. Oh. If there's double unders, I, I, I may pull a hamstring and walk off. Oh, 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 <laughs> darn. There's a few movements I'm a little bit nervous about too, just because I haven't done them in so long. And I just, if they're thrown in there, ugh. Like what, 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 what's got you? Even like toes to bar, if, if I don't do them, I, it's hard for me to just get into that rhythm, especially when I'm fatigued. Um, so something like that, I'm like, if, if there's a high rep toes to bar, um, I'm just, I haven't been training them. So I don't know how well that would go. And you're going to do expert female, right? Yeah. Not the top one. Yeah. Cause the pro one is just, like I said, when I watched the last time we went to the, the men were doing 170 pound cleans. And, and stuff like that like it was just yeah the weight is pretty significant yeah some of the stuff I mean to go especially for the first one some of it's just like they literally say just be prepared for anything and you know I'm not definitely not me I'm not either <laughs> <laughs> but I do the same I do the expert one the expert over 45 of course. Mm -hmm. but yeah I just the double unders are the one that get me everything else is fine the toast bar I've been working the chest to bar all the pull-ups, yeah. butterfly pull-ups, everything's going good. That's all great. I'm ready for that. Just, and from, I should, I'm going away this week and I should bring that skipping rope with me. I should be like the only thing I bring and just practice that on the side. Because uh -huh. like, I'm pretty sure it'd take me an hour and a half to do like 50 double unders. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad, but it is bad. Yeah. Like one at a time. <laughs> Sometimes I can get two. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. I, I, but I haven't, it's like anything. I couldn't do a muscle up for a while because it was like, I went out and I tried one. Nope. Okay. I can't do it. You know? And then finally one day I decided, you know, I spent a little time and within 30 minutes I had it. Yeah. So I'm, I, th I think the double winners are probably the same. Whereas if I just, like I have the physical capability to do them. I just got to yes. get the timing and the rhythm and all that set. Yeah. You know, technique down. Mm -hmm. I haven't done double unders since my, my Achilles issue. Mm. Cause it was doing the CrossFit open that year. There was a massive amount of double unders in one of the workouts and it, it was one of the causes of my Achilles things. Well, I know that the last few that I've seen and been to, and I haven't seen them there. So hopefully. Yeah. Okay. That continues. If not, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way to cheat. <laughs> okay. to cheat. I mean, I'm sure most of these judges are volunteers. They can be bought. <laughs> I thought they paid their judges. They did for the finals. They did for the finals. Oh, the finals, not all they, of them. Okay. I don't think they do for all of them, but I still, yeah. But even for them to pay for the judges for the finals was spectacular. Yeah. And they did a good job. Because I didn't get a single no rep, so they were doing well. <laughs> I did get one warning though. <laughs> one warning. It was really close. It was on the pull-ups. So mm. trying to do the butterfly pull-ups and just get that like hyper-extended yeah. chin just over the bar, just enough. But that's not any up. more than you have to. No, exactly, exactly. Minimum amount of work required. Yeah. But that's going. I'm really excited about that. We got a. A good group going to be very, very good. I'm, yeah. Well, plus there's pool and a hot tub involved, so I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. After after race, pizza, pool, hot tub. You can't go wrong with that. My training has completely changed, by the way. 
Really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like right in for for the for the Deca and the Hyrox stuff completely, or Deca and the RX One stuff. It just oh my god, it's way different now. It's it's very spicy. Yeah. <laughs> very spicy. Like anaerobic stuff, like crazy. Yeah. Not like crazy, but but much more than before. Much more than like a lot of the kind of slower, um, you know, what you would call like recovery runs and stuff yeah. like that. A lot of those are gone and we're into some other stuff. And obviously and more lifting, which you know what? I'm I missed, but I, I'm I missed when I'm rusty. Yeah. Mostly the lower body, which is funny. Like my upper body is still quite strong and I do good, but my lower body is not definitely not as powerful as it used to be huh. you know it's still good but i mean and i don't need a lot of power for these things that we're doing i just need that muscular endurance so that is coming along well. yeah and sit-ups i still fly those are one any of the core stuff just flies that's your thing i don't understand that <laughs> seriously it makes no sense to me i don't train core at all and um like to look at me it would look like the weak area <laughs> you know but eh, who knows we'll take it how, how are you training are you did you change your training up for for rx1 to get ready for that no you just no not really like we always do a little bit of gym like an anaerobic stuff anyways like metabolic conditioning it's always in there um no like my running has picked up a bit i'm still not running often but my long run it feels a lot better I like I could handle running more. Yeah. She's just being so cautious. <laughs> oh, can you blame her? I know. I know. Isn't that just smart? Yeah, I just don't like it. Because <laughs> I don't feel fit unless I'm running a lot. Like no matter what I'm doing. I just but don't, don't. You feel stronger though? Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's that's fit, you know. <laughs> not the same to me <laughs> like this uh like rx1 you said is like a 90 minute event right well that one was right and that was because i went slow it should have been about an hour <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. okay no i that particular one was but um i would say for most of them i would plan closer to like the 60 minute mark right but in a, and again, depends who you are and everything like that. Like I would plan for me for a 60 minute event, but it can be different because they can go anywhere from three to 8K of running, right? And So that's and, the range, eh? Yeah, so, and and it's, they don't tell you beforehand, which I, I'm, I'm of two minds about one. I get kind of the anticipation, but I also, I prefer knowing what you're training for, knowing what you're getting ready for. Yeah. And like, so I'll show up and if it's like, oh, it's an 8K one, I'm just like, all right, well, I'll suffer through it and end up where I end up. And if it's a 3K one, well, then I'm going to race. Yeah. You know? So I would just like to know the movements because I'll practice them a little bit. Well, you have the basics, right? Like, you know, there's going to be some kind of barbell thing in there that'll yeah. probably be, it'll probably be a clean or, or, or whatever, or deadlift or something like that. Um, maybe a snatch but i doubt it i doubt it um you know you're you're likely gonna have some form of box jump or something like that would be my guess there'll be a drag like a sled drag or whatever there almost always is a tire flip of some kind in a sled type of sled drag or hose drag or something along that lines that's um, fine all that stuff's fine yeah yeah and there'll probably be some form of pull up or toes to bar or something along that lines 
lately there's been a lot of wall balls. So I would expect to see. Yeah. Balls. I mean, not like in great numbers. Not it's not like a hundred like Kyrox has in a row. But um, I mean, the last one I did, we had to do three sets of fifteen. So I mean, it was still forty-five. That's part of it. So yeah, I would expect those um, surrenders. There's almost always surrenders. Really? They love those surrenders. And, and they're weighted too. So I think it was, I can't remember for and what the women's was, but for the men, you had to hold a 40 pound ball over your head and do the surrenders. Ugh. Yeah. And it couldn't touch your head. You had to keep it up over top, you know, keep it floating. And what were their cleans were in that one too. And they sometimes they get the heavy skipping rope out, which I would much prefer to the double unders. Oh yeah. I don't want to do double unders. They had rope climb at the last one too. <laughs> that's fine yeah so i mean that was that's exactly that was good except i did cramp one one and i was like it's like <laughs> give me my take it easy and rope climb and then i had to do it all arms because i cramped it was, uh, right, it was like the last thing you did but anyway all sounds fun is this one indoors no this one is not indoors it is uh outdoor and um i think it could be chilly yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, we'll see though. I mean, it is what it is, right? We put it this way. I mean, we've run how many cold obstacle course races and you get soaking wet. You're not going to get wet in this, right? There's no yeah. pond to run through. No, you know, it, the running will be fairly, very, I would guess by OCR standards, very non-technical. So I should bring gloves. Yeah, yeah. I think you should. I think I will. Like gloves. You can get the, yeah, you can get the, the Tahoe gloves back out. The ones you wore in Tahoe, those beautiful ones. Oh, the, <laughs> go to the dollar store. Yeah. Dollar store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should. All right. Well, we look forward to it and it's going to be a lot of fun, but I think now we have to get ready for a guest and I'm not even going to tell you who it is. Let's just see if you recognize him. Cool, man. Well, I guess like first off, the obvious thing to do is congrats on the new record. Um, and, and I'm going to straight up, straight up before we talk about it, I'm going to say I, the two races before. Right? So there was like the North American Championships and there was World Championships overseas. <clears throat> and both Bethany and I, and Bethany, by the way, sorry, she couldn't be here, but anyway, she'll... Uh, she says hi and hopes to catch you next time. Um, we both thought maybe this is Hunter now, like moving on. You know, like he's 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 got something else in the business future. His his attention has gone somewhere else. And um, yeah, you just made us look stupid. I I didn't intend on making anybody look <laughs> stupid, but I will say like priorities have shifted, and it was like tough. You know, it was tough in the way that I was living my personal life. I was living my business life. And then I was living my racing life. And I used to just only really have racing in my personal life. And then all of a sudden, you know, you just switch priorities. Like normally my phone calls every single day, it would just be about like my workout, maybe talk to my coach, maybe talk to a couple friends about my workout, sit on the couch and watch like action movies, read and sleep and eat and work out again. And now it's like, I woke up this morning and I had, you know, I had a 
45 minute long meeting that I had a 90 minute long podcast. And then I had to do paperwork and, and pack. And then I did a morning workout and I didn't feel good. So I just like walked on the treadmill for 30 minutes, ate a mass gainer, took a nap, watched a, a bit of a Batman movie, woke up and had to do it all over again. Like and not saying that my life's difficult, but it's just interesting. It's like if we were doing a hundred meter hurdle and I doubled the amount of hurdles between there and the finish line, it inevitably is going to slow things down. Dude, you're almost adulting. Yeah. Yeah. I almost am adulting. It's very, very weird. Um, like, dude, I had to rip these like things off my wall because I was just thinking like these, this is, this is how crazy my brain has been going. Um, like I have put these all over my walls and I was like, I have to let go of this stuff. I'm like details when races, this is from losing the Spartan games two years ago. Ryan Atkins made you look stupid. Own everything that you do. I still have on my wall that Ryan Kent made me look stupid because he, <laughs> he beat me in the last one. And that's like, just like the, everywhere your brain has to go to have this kind of level of performance. And some people maybe don't think like that, but at least for me, I do. And I've actually been reading this book um, more recently just to kind of digest things a little bit and understand some stuff. But um, it's an interesting read if anybody wants to listen to it. Uh, it's at least the way I, my brain thinks. It's um, Winning by Tim S. Grover. It's, it's a very interesting thing. He was the trainer for Kobe and Michael Jordan, like a, a bunch of other high-level performers. And it's it's a it's a way to live. It's it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I've been doing it since I've been 23 years old, um, at the highest level I could possibly put out, and now I'm 33. So it's been 11 seasons. Man, my post-it notes just say fill up the soda stream. Maybe that maybe that's why I'm not quite there yet. It's all right, man. I'm trying to give you some life lessons. I know. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, going into so I I'd heard you say before, and I talked to you briefly with with Matt one time, and and it was like going into some of the other races before you kind of were not feeling a hundred percent, right? You like, you weren't, you weren't, you knew you weren't at your total weight going into to Dallas where you set and then like 55, like just smash the record and on American soil with the heavier sleds, all that, everything's kind of stacked against you. You went into that one. Were you feeling, and did you know, Hey, this is a day for me. This is going to be a good day for me. Well, I had done the math. And I wanted to run 57 in Chicago, and then I wanted to run 55, somewhere in between. And I know that world championships will be unlikely to hit 55 because of the way that they, they, they host the course. It's on the lanes that go back and forth. And if you figure every single time you turn a corner, it's just a second or two. Yeah. Second or two. You do that 20 times, 30 times, 40 times. We're going to do it like 40 times. That's an extra 40 to 80 seconds. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, not possible. So I just went all in. And I tried a strategy differently in Chicago that I did here. I wanted to let myself go slow in the beginning. And then all of a sudden try to pick it up at the end and hit 100 on broken wall balls. But then all of a sudden Kent started going away. And I was like, man, I didn't think he was in this kind of shape. And then I started to change my strategy halfway through the race and try to catch him. And he, and he got away from me. Um, this time I was like, I'm just going to go out and I talked to Rich Ryan. He goes, well, I'm going to try to beat you to, you know, the skier by 10 seconds. Then I'm going to try to get out of the skier, like at the same time he was ahead of you. And I was like, not a fucking chance. I was like, I'm just going to run in front of him and try to break him with like a 515 pace. And then I'm going to come in and I'm going to run row su ski 
sub 140 the whole time and I'm going to get out and I'm going to be hands on the sled 30 seconds before everybody else, which I was. And um, I just tested, I've been testing out different strategies. So I knew that I'm probably in like a 32, 30, um, 10K shape. And I know that I can deadlift 500 pounds and I know I can do 150 to 200 wall balls unbroken. So I was like, just try to see if you can make some mistakes out there. And if you thread the needle, you're going to have the world record. And I did. I if I hadn't put down the wall ball um, three times, I would have had, I would have been like 54 high. Well, Chris, you got to give yourself something to do next time, right? There you go. Got to have some hobbies. Was I talked to, we talked to Dylan Scott after, and he was just saying about in Dallas, and he was just like, after the sled push, it was, it was done. He had already relegated himself to like, okay, well, this is done. I'm just going to stay where I am. Did, did it even occur to you that anybody else was even there on that day? Because you said, you know, you were chasing Kent for a while. And, um, and, and I don't think we acknowledge enough that you still put in a killer run in, in Chicago. Like it was still a great time. It was a good run. But this time, did you even like concern yourself with anybody else on the field? Or was it just, this is me. This is my time. I'm just smoking it. No, I was just looking at numbers. Um, I was looking at numbers and basically I was like, this on the ski, this on the run. I didn't pay attention to the sled. I just wanted to have more of like a flow-based sled where I was counting numbers on my head and counting breaths on, my, uh, in, on exhales. Um, I knew I wanted to do this on the burpees. I wanted to do this on the, on the row. And then I wanted to do this on the wall balls. And I just focused on those four things. And I was like, wall balls, sleds, I'm sorry, wall ball, skier, grow, and burpees. And I was like, if I can nail those things, I'm ahead of everybody else. And I, I didn't realize that by the time I got to the rower that I was like two minutes ahead of everybody else. And then all of a sudden Mo was like, you're well ahead of world record pace. And I was like, oh shit. And then I was doing lunges and he was like, you're at 46 minutes. And I was like, tried to do the math in my head. And I was like, three plus four plus, I was like, whoa. It's like I'm way up there. So it was, it's not necessarily about racing people. And like, I didn't really look at like world record times or anything like that. Like I'm still a big believer that it's like, it's because High Rocks, even though it's universally the same course, it's not. And it's the winner of the day in the course rather than the winner universally. I'm not trying to bash anybody over in Europe, but I think you're going to start to see these like a very big, you're going to see a humongous shift in the way that the horses go out, we all may run fast, but then all of a sudden, as soon as that first sled hits, you're just going to see this like fucking train wreck. And it will be interesting, at least in my own opinion. Yeah, man. I was going to go to that. To, I was going to go with that a little later, but you know what? How much stock do you put into the record? Because like you say, it is, it's, it, I kind of look at it like a marathon record, right? You know, every course is different, never the same thing. So I don't really put a ton of stock in that record, but what I want to know from you how much stock do you put in it? And do you think the guys coming over from Europe, who do you think really has a chance to say run with you and Kent? And I mean, like, cause I don't, I mean it honestly flat out. It's not, it's not an even field. It's a bad, I don't, I don't like the way the system is because it's not fair. Our, the races in North America are clearly different. I mean, I think high rocks has finally acknowledged that, that they're not, not the same so with the system just grabbing the top 15 times. I mean, the fact that rich Ryan is not, in that top 15 is it's tough yeah, yeah i don't know man i try not to think about it too much 
Like I had conversations with people privately and I was like, it bothers me a lot that my world records are going to go down this year for sure. I just know it is. And it's not within like, it's nothing that I can control. Like, mm -hmm. and it happened. Like all of a sudden, like two people got really close to it and then Toby broke through right away. And I was like, man, these times are just really, really fast over there. And, you know, putting too much stock into it is just going to get you bothered. Like I'm just focusing on world championships. I wish everybody was in Dallas so that everyone couldn't be like, well, it's, it's the course. And I was like, you know what, like show up, race me anywhere and I'll beat you. And like, when I'm in shape, that's what I aim to do. Um, you know, it was just like Spartan racing. You know, I fucking hated Spartan racing because it was so dictated by the course and it was almost always based on tall peaks. It's like, Hey, we found a fucking mountain. Let's have a Spartan race here. And all I could do to be the best was just show up and run the course. And it was never built for me. High Rocks is more built for me. So I'm, I'm lucky to have that at least. But I think just over the years of me not being in the lane of one sport, I've always been like hopping around. I've gotten pretty used to the fact that you have to be fit for the test, not for the supposed like, you know, value of what, you know, they're trying to say is this is our course. This is our fittest athlete. This is our world record. So. So going into Vegas, yeah. who do you consider a threat, especially from overseas? I assume like Ryan, you know, Kent is, Kent is a threat. He's in great shape. He's doing really well. But from overseas, who do you consider a threat to run with you to? I mean, I think Tim Winnish and Toby are great. I think Lucas Storath is racing this weekend. I think the people who have experience coming over here and racing are going to do better. So I think Alex um, Ronkovich is going to do better than the majority of those guys. So I would say he's probably going to be the top European because like he came over here and was eight minutes behind, I think even me, maybe more. So um, when he came over here, so he knows, and like, he will openly admit that it, it's, it's a different style race over here. And, you know, these guys are super capable and all the other things. I just think it's like, you have to come over and experience, you watch Storath come over here and he immediately got crushed by it and lost by four minutes to me, but he was much closer when we raced in Europe. So it's a different style. So I think Lucas and Ronkovich are going to do awesome. I wouldn't want to put down my buddy Toby because he's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. um, I think, you know, he's going to do absolutely incredible. He's, he's a master of pacing. I think he's one of the kind of people that I've watched tests like across all tests of the, of high rocks. He always ends up getting to the finish line composed. So maybe he's going to be prepared for this in a way that like, you know, we weren't expecting. I think the same thing, but I think that the one thing that I wondered was with Tim and Toby being guys that are a little more slight, not quite as big, big a build as if the sleds over here would hammer them a little harder than say somebody like Alex Ronkovic, who's a, a little bit stronger guy. Yeah. The skinnier guys are going to struggle. Maybe Martin is going to do phenomenally well. And, you know, so you never know. Um, but I think, you know, the, the contest is going to be between Kent and I, and I think it will be discovered, um, you know, pretty quickly who's ready for the day. Um, and I know that he's training really hard and he's an awesome athlete and I'm not going to, you know, predetermine his place. I'm just going to say that I'm putting together workouts that I have not done, I think ever in my lifetime. And that's great. You know, today I was doing sub five thirty miles for three minutes straight into a 135 row for two minutes straight. So I just kept on doing set after set after set. And that's like the one thing it's like, you can find people that can run hard and then you can find people that can row hard. 
Can you find the person that can do both together at like, you know, a collegiate level pace? That's really hard to find. And there's a couple of us out there. And like, that's the one thing that I just had to get back into my head is just like, there's no easy way to skin this cat. You just have to do it in a brutal task of just lactic threshold, high, high level reps and over and over and over again. It's very basic human movements. The only way to really tackle it is head on. There's no secret sauce. What excites you more, beating Kent or uh, like beating Kent at Worlds or beating Atkins just somewhere else? I mean, I kind of am not, I, I kind of figured out the formula with Kent. Um, I've raced him a bunch of times. And I think if we've raced 99 times, I've beat him 100 times. I think I've beaten him 99 times, maybe 98 times. And that's not putting Kent down. It's just like, you know, we've raced a bunch of times and that's been the stats. Um, Atkins is one of these kind of things where it's like, I would say the majority of the time I'm put up against Atkins in a style of race that is catered more towards him. And I'm like, like if he came to high rocks, I'd be fucking pumped. He almost did it last year. Yeah. Um, you know, if he came to like broken skull ranch, like we've had some opportunities in the Spartan games, but typically we don't go head to head. Like if we do a CrossFit event in the Spartan games, or like a DECA event, I get him. And then I went after him as hard as I could on the half marathon. And I got within two minutes of him, three minutes of him. I don't know. It was, it was close, at least closer than I would have done the year before. But he's still, he, he's got that on me and I've got those stations on him. So it is always satisfying to do like the Spartan games and just go toe to toe and see what's up. So, you know, I, I would say it's more fun to beat Atkins. He and I have been going at it um, longer also. All right, so quick shift, and we'll just we'll just do this for one second because I really only have one question about Spartan games. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm gonna have to drag drag you through it all. Yeah, if they did a third one, would you go back? Um, give me two seconds. Uh, I don't think so, and I don't mean that in the way like nothing more in my heart wants to go back and compete against some of those athletes. I've just watched year after year with Spartan race. Like I kind of created the Spartan games. I came and contacted Joe DeSena in 2019, I think it was. And I said, why don't I contact some of the best CrossFitters and we get some of the best Spartan racers and we do a contest versus each other. And we did, I don't know if you remember watching that thing where we did it at the base. And then Yancey started putting it together also. And we put together this thing and we had kind of like this lightning in a bottle experience. I was like, whoa, this is some cool shit. And from that point on, I have watched it go downhill like an avalanche out of control. No direction, yeah. just a lot of momentum and opportunity that typically ends up being incredibly self-destructing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is. It is it's, it's a good idea, poorly executed. I mean, that's just, it's just what it is. Which is sad because there's so many cool athletes. I've made friends that will last maybe a lifetime out of each Spartan game thing. Like, you know, that guy, Kurt and I, Kurt Majit, we went head to head and he and I stay in touch all the time. It was intense battle, but we have immense respect for each other now. We're friends. You know, we, even this one, like, you know, I made friends with Tim, the guy who was the, um, the tactical games guy. And he just was a super cool guy, clicked. And I'm so grateful for that. And also being able to compete against people like, Kent and Atkins, I'm like two great friends who test me like every fiber of my body to be a better athlete. I'm like, this is awesome. So that I don't want to lose. Like that's the summer camp experience that I fell in love to this thing for. It's just tougher as like, you know, 
you've gone through it so many times. And I, it's tough because I have friends that are younger than me and it's their, more of their first time going through the experience. And I try to keep my mouth shut because I want them to see it almost like the way a child sees something for the first time. It's such raw and exciting potential. And I sit here like an old man in my chair and I'm like, motherfuckers fucking up everything, pieces of shit. So I'm trying to have a little bit more of a, you know, namaste, chill approach to the whole thing. So maybe uh, as time goes on, I may accept an invite, but right now my fingertips are burnt. My man, if I, like we looked at it and I said this before, if I was a CrossFit athlete, a power athlete, something along that lines, and they invited me to cross it to a uh, Spartan games. I'd just be like, eh, fuck off. Not a chance. Cause there's nothing in it for them. It's just pure endurance. Like, you know, yes. even, even, even the strength stuff was endurance. I felt bad. Like you're going to see on the episode tomorrow, this, this stone over shoulder thing. Mm -hmm. And by the time that the strength athletes got there, it was the last event, you know, it'd be like taking a great white shark and putting them on the beach like six feet away in the water, they're the most dangerous creature on the planet, but they put them in the sand in the hot sun with no water and no opportunity to show their skills. Like they just beat these people to the fucking death. And now they gave them one event that they could do well in. And I was like, just such poor programming. Yeah. When we went to go do the DecaFit events, we get there and they saw that people were struggling with the weights. So they just pulled plates off. And I was like, well, that's, that's the whole idea. It'd be like if I tried to go do shot put at the Olympics and I was like, Ugh, and I only threw it five feet. And then the guy next to me weighs almost 300 pounds, shoots it, you know, 75 feet. Obviously, that's why he's a shot put athlete. You don't all of a sudden shrink the ball so that I feel like more accommodated to the test. So those kind of things happened and it was unfortunate. So I get why it's hard for them to recruit because people are keen on being able to really test themselves. And I don't think that they're really doing a great job testing it. I mean, it's a fucking test. I'll yeah. tell you that. Much. It was hard. It is super, super hard. And if you show up and do every single one with every fiber of your body and you're competing for the top, it's hard to get crowned there. And I mean, I think this is airing after the fact or you're going to have to cut this out. No, it's Ryan beat, yeah, Ryan beat me by four points again. I came top three in every single event. He had events where he did poorly. He did eventually won. I came top three in every event. I won the last two events on the last day. And I was just like, even, even with this like very, very strong thing, it's still skewed so much toward endurance that it's like, there's nothing I could do. Yeah, and, and, and that's the way, that's, that's the way we see it. That's the way we're watching it too, is it's just like, you know, strength guys, strength guys and gals, they don't have a shot. There's just no yeah. way. You know, it's almost like they're out for a workout and experience. And then a few OCR people are trying to win because that's, you know, that's where it's at. That's where it, what it's designed for. It, it seems designed to just showcase an, an OCR athletes or the top OCR, OCR athletes abilities. And look, they're beating these people. These are amazing people that they're beating. And yeah. well, of course they are. They're, they're, you know, it's set up that way. But I'll also leave it at this and then I'll stop talking about it. I think David Watson is the biggest asshat in the industry. He has fucked the potential of this to the point where there's nothing left. He has just turned it into, I don't know, just such a poor form experience. And I think that's something that's going to have to be to change. It's sad because Joe DeSena was this person that I think all of us fell in love with and followed. And then he's kind of tried to bring disciples underneath him to now lead the way. And they just don't have that same passion that he has and the same kind of vision that he has. And 
I fell in love with Spartan Lace way back in the day. And I even moved to his farm and I, you know, was like, dude, I'm so bought in. And now with different people, you know, singing the song, um, it's not the same. So I hope and pray that that guy either quits or get fired. <laughs> yeah. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Hey, listen, I, that was my chunk of honesty for the day. And I hope that I'm as polite as possible in the way I conveyed it. Yeah, well, nothing says politeness like I hope you get fucking fired. That that's always the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? All right, so you're all set for Dallas or for Vegas. You're all ready to go in there. But before you head there, you have Go Ruck games coming up this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you I'm hoping that everything that we were just talking about in Spartan games that they give here. The programming's good, the athletes are good. The intention behind the, you know, the end results is good. Um, like I have like behind me, like you can, if I tip my computer, like it's all out there. Like, you know, I, I've been doing multi spike like, multi-day events for almost a decade now. And it's very exciting, man. I freaking love these things. You know, it reminds you either broken skull ranch or doing events like boundless or any of that kind of stuff. So it's awesome, man. And like all my Closest friends are going to be there. We're going to have a fucking awesome time. Um, I've got some really good sponsors that have been pushing me to, you know, do some awesome things this year. So I'm hoping to showcase for them. And, you know, it's going to be the hot sun, dude. And I and I look like a cherry already. You can see that red <laughs> shine in my face. I'm I'm fucked. So <laughs> you'd just be like every other tourist in Florida, then. Yeah, I know. I know, dude. Not I'm so. I tell everybody, I'm like, don't work, at, don't worry about the events, worry about the sun. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. Uh, I did TMX in Florida, in Miami. I, I would drove down there when they had it down there, and uh, and did it there. And it was the same thing. I did the regular tough mutter the day before, and I was just baked the next yeah. day. You know, with pasty white Canadian skin, just lobster red the next day. I went and did TMX. It was like fucking killer. Dude, Florida just does it different, dude. They've got the ozone layer. It doesn't exist down there. It's just pure hot sun. So I've never I, been to Jacksonville, by the way. What's that? I don't know. Any, have you ever been to Jacksonville? No, nah, man. No, no, not yet. I don't know if anybody has ever like looked at that as a destination, but um, I've never been. I'm excited. I don't really understand what the heck Sandlot Jacks is. Can you explain it? No, nah, man, I think it's just like a little festival almost like, you know, it looks like a little fitness festival. I have no idea other than what's going on here. But with with Go Rock, I don't really know a lot about I'll, I'll be honest. This has not been publicized as much as I anticipated it would be. And as much as I hoped it would, because it looks like a fucking kick ass event. Yeah. And, and I'm not seeing like I was I wanted to see I've seen a little bit of Savage recently with some of the rigs they set up and what, you know, in their setup and everything. But I'm like, there should be like clues coming the whole time what to expect and who's going to be there and hyping some names and i'm just like i even i remember they had like a big list at the beginning of like 35 to 50 people or whatever it was men and women and then that's gone and i have no idea who's going like i okay i have a basic idea some of the people that's going but i don't know anything yeah and that and I that's not anything i don't know if that's a like for you guys not to know anything about the events maybe that's a good thing maybe that's a bad thing that's people have different opinions on that but I would have been every day like pushing something new out, go rock, and you got Rogue involved and all this, like just advertise the shit out of it. And it should be, again, there should be like some kind of live stream advertised all the time. Like, hey, we're going to, even if it's just a basic one on go rock YouTube or something, yeah. hit me with, yeah, it's going to be live. Here it is. And right now, I don't know if there's going to be anything. 
Yeah, dude. I mean, I contacted the CEO, uh, that Jason guy, and he's nice, but I think he's like trying to come at this thing from like a special forces standpoint. I was like, hey, like I'm packing my bags and like I really just want to show up prepared. Like, can you just tell me what we're going to do? He's like, he like wrote me a message. He's like, in special forces, you know, you you don't know until like until like five minutes ahead of time what you need to be prepared for. And I was like, I wanted to write back. I'm like, yeah, but in special forces, like they give you the boots you're supposed to wear and the backpacks you're supposed to have and the guns you're supposed to have and the binoculars you're supposed to use and you have a whole team. And I was like, this is just an event that I'm trying to show up for and just do my best. Like, do I bring flippers? Do I bring a headlamp? And he, he wrote a response back. It's, it's very mysterious. So, um, you know, that being said, I have seen a lot of very quality people that are going to be involved. There's a lot of quality companies like from the blueprint standpoint, it's, it's meant to be like a beautiful thing from an orchestration standpoint. I hope and pray. Yeah. You know, and here's the thing when they say stuff like, well, in special forces, you don't know what's coming. You don't know this, you don't know that. Well, and I don't want this to sound harsh or disrespectful because I have nothing but love and admiration for people in the military. I have like tattoos that, you know, salute the military and whatnot. Yeah. This isn't special forces. This is a, a competitive event. It's a competition. And it's one I assume that they want to have happen again. And the more it'll happen better is if they, you know, drum money, drum interest, drum sponsorship. And that comes from people watching. And people watching are going to want to watch something more organized, ready to go where the athletes are completely prepared for what they're doing. You have a really good point. You know? Very good point. Maybe if, hopefully someone listens to this before it happens, but I think it's too delayed. Nah, nobody listens to this crap. <laughs> I'm pumped to listen. Um, well, are you are you coming to Vegas? No, I can't. Couldn't make Vegas. Um, I never got a chance to get out this year. I was supposed to. I was supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, other people have heard this, but you obviously haven't heard my high rocks tale from this year. Was supposed to go to Chicago to do high rocks, hopefully to qualify for Vegas. And then the morning I was getting ready to leave, because at the time you had to, you were to go across the border. You had to test once you got across the border so that you could come back within seventy two hours. So the morning I was about to leave, I'm eating my breakfast and I did a rapid test and tested positive for COVID. So bailed on my trip for that. And then, then I had that transferred to Boston and then they canceled Boston. So yeah. I never, never got to do a high rocks this year. So then when it became, I couldn't compete or whatever, I'll just, um, I kind of bailed out on going to Vegas. I'm going to, I am going to be doing the commentary for it though. Well, uh, I believe it'll be me and Bracken. Are you going to do it from a distance? Yeah, sure. yeah. For ORM bracket, and I will do it. Um, we'll we'll be doing commentary from the distance, and uh, Matt and various other people will be doing the on-site videoing. Man, I might even pay somebody to do the live streaming because Matt with a camera atrocious. Look, though, we will all know who's wearing what shoes and who has fancy pants when they walk by. But my favorite is like when he thinks the camera's turned this way and it's like facing his face and then it's down on the ground. And I'm like, I'm like, my parents are like, Hey, could you send us a link? And I'm like, I know there's a link, but I'm not going to tell you because I'm too fucking embarrassed for you guys to see it. So I, I you guys are going to do a great job. I, I love, I love doing commentary with Bracken. So uh, we'll go with that. Bracken is a insightful guy. I just got off the phone with him yesterday. He is, he's going to be really good. Um, and supposedly we're on ESPN, so that'd be cool. Really? That would be cool. Yeah, Mo told me about it. I, I hadn't heard that. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Um, so ESPN, they're supposed to fly out and shoot me. 
um, in 10 days, I think, maybe 15 days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're going to like do kind of like the precursor video of like the primer content. And then they're going to do like, to build the characters. And then, you know, I guess they film the whole thing. And then I guess they'll have like a post show. So should be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope that goes really, really well. Cause these things lend themselves done with a little bit of money and proper everything lend themselves so well to being processed as an entertainment product as a, as a viewing experience. I mean, everything's right there. We, I mean, I've, I've had discussions before with some of the guys like give like two guys on cameras on the floor, one tower camera above to track the running. And that's really all you need. You could do an amazing bit of coverage from there, but it doesn't seem like you know, nobody's put it together yet. So I'm, I hope they do an awesome job on that. My thought is this, if world's strongest man can be on TV every single year and Tour de France can be on TV every single year, like one episode for our sport can make it on TV every single year. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's dynamic enough that you can tell a story and it's one episode is just enough. Like you don't need to do more, just build up to the championship, have a good like precursor, like, you know, you know, storyline, what happened this season, who's the current reigning champion or blah, blah, blah. And race us. And I'd watch, honestly, I really would watch because I've, I've spent every single year watching Ironman Kona, Strongman. I still watch the Tour de France. And like the reality, it's the same thing always again, but there's different people jockeying for position and stuff. Like I would be interested. Even when I retire, I will tune in and be like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, people are now down in like the 53s and like, look how powerful this person is on the sled. And like someone just skied this and look at the form that's changed. Like athletes have completely primed themselves and like, look who now, like now the average guy is five foot seven rather than six foot tall. It's interesting, like how our sport, um, Kent and I are both over six feet tall and, um, you know, in something like CrossFit, they're like five foot seven. So yeah. it'd be cool just to see the avatars that change up and, you know, I'm interested. Yeah, but I mean, in that straight, because like any CrossFit movements, right. With the short levers and I'm like, I'm like, I'm a five, seven guy. Right. So you get your short levers and stuff like that. Really good for your, your burpees, your squats, your handstand pushups, things like that. All, um, all, all the other Olympic lifting and stuff. But for this, for like high rocks, kind of being tall, I think might be, a, might be a bit of an advantage and especially, you know, you're going to, you're going to fly through the rower better, the skier, you're going to go better wall balls, you know, wall balls can go either way because some guys can't get that depth, but you're close to the target. Yeah. Broad jump burpees. Like, I mean, I watched Dylan Scott do broad jump burpees and he's like jumping seven feet every time. Like, yeah. you know, I do the opposite for him, dude. I stay as low to the ground as yeah. possible. I like crawl. The thing is, is in CrossFit, you want to cover as little distance as possible. If you think about it, Someone who is only five foot five versus someone who is six foot two, like myself, the amount of travel extra that we have to do is yeah. just a quarter to a half a second every single rep. Yeah. Now, for us, we want to cover as much distance as possible. Think about it. Every single time that they pull the rower, they if we can travel an extra six to 12 inches of pulls, that's more meters going on the rower. If you every single time are going back in the same amount of times that I do, but I'm pulling further every single time, you just can see immediately I'm going to cover more distance. Oh, yes. Same with the skiers. I'm reaching up and I'm hitting the top of the machine and pulling down every single time. You know, I watch somebody like Cole Schwartz. I don't even think he can reach the top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think actually, like you said, it's horses for courses. But that one, I think, I think Congress does favor a little bit of the taller guys. What do you think about some of the judging that's happened lately on the wall balls and stuff, especially on the end? Not so much with yourself, but I mean, see with other people as well. Like New York was a travesty. Um, 
do you think they should ever, and this is actually Tara Jackson got me on this bandwagon of bringing in uh, a mark for them to squat depth, that squat depth mark, like the bucket, but maybe a little bit fancier and a little more, you know, thought out. Well, I just think they have to bring in quality judges. Like, I, I don't know because we're all such different heights. I don't know if there's going to be a mark thing that really works. Um, but yeah, man, the judging is pretty shit. Um, it sucks because I've definitely watched some things. Like I've watched some people that I know very closely, like pretty bad on their version of the burpee broad jumps where like they do these like huge double steps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you watch people with lunges, like just kind of like crouching through. I've even watched people at North American championships. I'm not going to list it, but somebody who did very, very well took their hands off the bag and was putting their hands on the knees to do the lunges. You're not allowed to do that. Um, and it's not my place because typically if it comes from the top down bitching, it just kind of looks condescending and bad. And so I just leave it alone. As far as wall balls, like I know somebody else who has done very, very well also at North American championships that was just terrible and should have been no rep so many times on the wall balls. And I think there's just like this anxiety in the coaches to not say something. It's like the fact that they even give the opportunity to put the bucket under there is just like, what the fuck? Well, and that's kind of where, where I'm at too. It's like either give it to everybody or don't offer it as an option. Like it shouldn't be an option. It, it changes everything. Yeah. In a real world, you guys are fucking tip top athletes and should be able to do a wall ball. You should be able to get down in depth squat, right? The problem is with, like you say, with the judging they're doing and whether they're not, whether the judges aren't, I don't want to say educated, but aren't, informed enough and aren't courageous enough to say no rep no rep even if it's a bunch in the row to still keep going no rep you know i just wonder what's the solution so how do you because there are high excuse me high rocks obviously has some issues that being the one the, the inconsistencies with the sleds being the other if you're gonna have a world record kind of thing how would you fix this up like is it what would you what would be your suggestions to improve the sport and i don't mean change it right i don't mean let's switch this exercise switch this exercise whatever but how do you change it up to, sorry, how do you switch it up a little bit to improve it, to bring it into that quality, quality area? One is a little bit of budget. Like they're going to have to pay, like, you know, we need this, these level people to show up and we'll pay. You'll mm-hmm. get paid $250 for the day. And we're going to pay out, you know, $150, $250 for 10 coaches to show up. Five yeah. on this side, five on this side for like the most elite people. And that's just an expense you're going to need to do. It's just like also at like elite level sports, there's drug testing like there's no drug testing in our sport i'm not saying like i would say probably start with judges to get good form down then maybe we get bigger we get drug testing maybe we get bigger we get film crews showing up filming our sport but at least at this level like i think the judging it would be really nice to have some better version of that and i'm not trying to like bad mouth them but you do hear it very often amongst people they're like wow did you hear did you see this person doing this and i'm like I don't think I've ever had anybody say behind my back, like, hey, Hunter, your form shit. Um, but, you know, now, like, they're getting better at understanding. Like, people were getting to the point where they were lifting the sleds up and pushing it. Now they banned that rule. So it's like things are changing over time, and it's getting a little bit better. And I'm hoping that, like, you know, there should be this kind of thing where I think, like, a humongous piece would be, like, hey, if you get 10 no reps, like – you're you're dq'd yeah five no reps or something like that like it would really hold a standard and like that should be the case 
That should be the case. And it should scare people away from doing these shitty reps, you know? So I don't know. Like I've watched in the CrossFit games every single year, the best level athletes lose events by one rep. And it's usually by a judge. Like you see the huge, like no rep, like they're iconic for it. Like there's shirts all over the place for no rep. And it became this thing where it's like, this is industry standard. Like this is how we do. Yeah. I don't know if it's maybe because we're drawn from the same, same group of people to do volunteering and refing as OCR, because like in OCR, I've seen so many times where like, especially a high level elite will maybe do an obstacle wrong or, or, you know, foot off the grass or whatever the case may be, And just like, ah, it's okay. Just let them go. <laughs> maybe it's just that same kind of mindset of, you know, oh, well, the effort was there and the idea was there, but yeah, man, I want, I want them to set it up with the judging that it is like CrossFit where it is ironclad, like not that CrossFit's perfect, but where they're judging is just super consistent. It doesn't matter who the hell you are, you know? where some schmuck like me can be judging and no rep Hunter McIntyre comfortable, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, it'd be nice. Um, I've definitely had my issues with judges in the past and I would wish that it was like more standardized moving forward. So we'll see. Um, you know, I think the sport is in a good place to grow and this is going to be a big learning year. Like I think once they recognize that, half the athletes that show up here shouldn't be here. They're going to be like, okay, we need to change our thing. And if you're filming with ESPN, like we really need to have, like, we can't be putting buckets underneath these people's butts. Like how do you even explain that on national television for professional athletes? Like, oh, Tommy over here is having trouble getting depth. So we gave him a butt cushion and a bucket to put his butt on. It's like, well, that's fucking embarrassing. Yeah. So, yeah. I think we're in a good place and, you know, I'm really excited about Vegas. Like, you know, rain or shine, we're all going to have a fucking awesome weekend. So when Vegas is done, it's all over. You've cashed your check. You've got your title. Yep. The rest of the year is on. Um, is it at all a plan to jump in to try to maybe jump in and get on the DECA championship and try to get a payday out of that? No, I'm pretty sure I'm retiring, dude. Get out. Really? Yeah, I just decided. Um, like like a like a Tom Brady retirement or like a real one, or like a no. I mean, I I think honestly, like for as far as like my personal life goes and my business life goes, I can't do three. I can't do three at a high level, and I would rather have a better connection with my friends and family, and have a better connection to my business and get to chill out. Like I've done so much of it. It doesn't mean that I'm gone forever. Yeah. Like I may drop into an event, but like I'm not going to do these seasons anymore. I'm not going to do. You know, by the end of this year, at least it, it will be May and I will have done, you know, already four major races this year. And I've like held back intentionally and like I would have done five if I had done Boston. So, you know, and if I continued the rest of the year with doing like Decafit and like other ones overseas, you end up doing like 12 to 15 of them and you go over to Europe for a while, you come back here and like I'm living between four different places and fuck, I made this embarrassing decision. I bought myself this nice sports car and it sat in my driveway and just collected dust ever since I got the thing. So I'm getting rid of it next week. I'm just like, I'm, uh, I'm gone too much. So you know what? I've lived a full life. Of yeah, it. I, I, and I get it. I mean, like you, you got the point where you've proved, you've proved what you need to prove. You've done what you need to done. And now you're moving on to different in venues. And you'd like to you say you're into business. You, you're trying to, I mean, you got to make a living, right? You got to do what you got to do. You got to get by. Um, so, I mean, I will be very disappointed not to see you in competitions as much, but at the same time, 
it makes sense to me that you can't you can't put all of your effort into a proper business if you're training five hours a day to for different events you, you can't and you can't even just be mentally that divided and be at the best dude look at this i'll show you i'm super proud like we started out we started out and we bought a thousand units and now we bought 2500 units we changed the label and everything like we're we're really building something so like it every single day i see this i get almost more excited than to go and do my workout and like i recognize that can only last for so long like you can't sit here at the desk and be like I don't know if I'm ready for this workout. Like I got to do X, Y, and Z and I'd rather do this. Um, so, you know what? Like never say never, but for a while I'm done um, and I'm going to go have some fun. And I think it's going to be a fucking blast. Like there's so many things that I've looked at on the calendar that I've always wanted to get involved in. And I'm just like, I can't, yeah. um, you know, if I do that, it's going to distract from this. And it's like I said, just the transformation that I've made in the past, like four or five months from where I was at world championships, where I just had that bad race. And I was like, I don't want to be here ever again. And I watched what it took to get to where I'm at now. And I'm at the peak now. And I'm like, I have to do all of that and never, ever quit or doubt it ever again to stay on top of this peak. And, you know, before world championships last year, I spent a month with my family in Rhode Island and I had the blast. Like we were eating lobster, chugging beer. I'm jumping off bridges with my nephew and nieces and stuff. Like it's, it's awesome. And that's stuff that I haven't had a vacation since 2017. So I'm looking forward to that stuff. That's cool. What kind of car did you buy? M3 twin turbo. Oh, nice. Chip, chipping it 650 horsepower. Um, I just had a Ram TRX arrive in the parking lot tomorrow, uh, yesterday. Um, I'm a car junkie. Yeah. I don't post about it much, but like, dude, just in the last Two years, I had an SRT8 Jeep. I had a built-up Rubicon. I had a Subaru WRX STI. Then I got the M3 2021. I currently have a Raptor in the backyard. I have a Ram TRX that comes in. Like any car that I see on the market that I'm like, gotta have it, I, I get it. Um, because that's like my vice. You know, I used to be a party animal and now I've traded working out and driving cars for uh, partying and, you know, other crazy shit. Do you ever track them? Do you go to the track? Do you do track days with them? Uh, no, dude. Like, that's why I got the M3 and I thought I was going to do it. But like, you know, to be totally honest, this is highly illegal, but we race in the canyons in yeah. Malibu like crazy. I mean, it, it is the- It's, it's, it's actually a famous spot for street racing. Yes. It's the finest roads. And I read all these blogs and stuff that on Facebook that people post about cars going crazy, but these roads aren't for people. These roads are for cars and people like, and we go on the weekends, dude, and we go to all these car meetups and stuff like- you, every single Saturday and Sunday, dude, you will meet up and there will probably be about 50 to $150 million worth of cars in a parking lot in Malibu that will blow your mind, blow your mind. And then all of them, like, will just branch off and hit the canyons. Just, and it's so much fun. So that is cool. And I'll give you that. But in, from my experience, there is nothing more fun than having a cheap ass slow car and driving it as fast as possible around a track. There's nothing like taking a Toyota Yaris yep. and literally just driving it as fast as you can around the corners on the track with no fear of anything. Because I mean, you know, you're you, so you can completely let it go to the extent of your abilities, the car's abilities. And most people, almost any car out there that goes remotely decently exceeds their driving ability. So yep. I just, I've always been a, uh, a believer that if you have a fast car and you're not taking it to the track, you're not doing it right. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. And I know it's something that exists out there. And my next big thing, if I do well in business is I'm going to build myself a Ford GT, uh, a GT 40 ACR, um, like kit car. I'm not going to buy like one of the ones that are just like, you know, half a million dollars. I'm going to build it from scratch and just have a freaking blast. That's my next dream car. Yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be good. I always loved those old 427 Cobra kit car builds. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of my friends has got one of those. Um, I hate to be a bear nope. of bad news, but I got to go to bed. Dude, me too. Anyway, look, yeah. thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, Duonamic is going, that's our sponsor. They're going to send you one of their doorway pull-up systems. I have one. Oh, do you? Okay. Well, they'll send you the accessories. All right, dude. I like that. Yeah. They sent me one a while ago and it's somewhere in one of my garage gyms. We were using it for a long time at one of our Boulder houses because we didn't have a pull-up bar. Yeah, um, for every guest that comes on the show, they send out that stuff. So they'll send you either the rings or the hand grips or whatever you want, one of those accessories. I appreciate it, man. Have a great night. All right. Thanks so much, Hunter. See you, bud.